the Detroit Pistons went against what is supposed to be the second worst basketball team in the NBA in the San Antonio Spurs. And in a fight between supposedly the two worst teams in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons got blown out by 20 plus. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by... Price picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked in NBA and use code all lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see we've moved further and further into the darkness. We now record in the dark. Not only do we have a dark hood over our heads, we now record in the dark. I'm telling everybody right now, just go into the absorb the darkness, accept it, come to the dark side. It's over. Everything's done with. In today's episode, we'll talk about the Spurs blowout of the Detroit Pistons, what happened within this game. Talk about how the leaders have failed the Detroit Pistons and their young guys and the city and the franchise. And why Monty Williams needs to play his new young guys. Why they need to get minutes. But first, let's just just break down what happened in this game against the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs are supposed to be the other worst team in the NBA. The Pistons have three wins. The Spurs have six. Now, the only other team that also has six is the Washington Wizards. We also know that the Washington Wizards destroyed the Detroit Pistons as well. So the Pistons have won against both of the teams that are supposed to be the other worst team in the NBA, and they've both obliterated them. In this game against the San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wimbanyama played 21 minutes. He played 21 minutes, and in 21 minutes, He recorded his first ever triple-double. 21 minutes of action. He played nine minutes in the second half. And the Detroit Pistons got blown out. It's just, in 21 minutes, Victor was able to get his first triple-double against the Detroit Pistons. This is a San Antonio Spurs team, by the way, everybody. That is, I believe, 28th in the entire NBA in offensive rating. Let me just make sure I have that correct. Yes, 28th in the entire NBA in offensive rating at 108.3. And in this game against the Detroit Pistons, they scored 130 points. This is also a San Antonio Spurs team that has the 25th worst defense with a defensive rating of 118.5. And in this game against the San Antonio Spurs, the Pistons weren't able to crack 110 against the Spurs. And not only were they not able to crack 110 against this Spurs defense, they shot 31% from beyond the arc. Didn't draw many free throws at all. Just uh, somehow, some way, what's supposed to be the two worst teams in the NBA, only one looked like it was very clearly the worst team in the NBA. Only one. And that was your Detroit Pistons. 
Now, some things that happen within this game. Jalen Duran, you continue to see what we talked about in the last podcast with his defense. He is not good defensively, but the Detroit Pistons have put him in a position where they're asking him to be great defensively and cover up for all the mistakes of the players in front of him. Not only is he not there to be a good defender in of himself in his development, he's not there yet to be a good defender individually. He's nowhere near the point of being a good defender to carry your defense. He's 20 years old, but this is what the Pistons are asking him to do, and that's why they have a horrific defense. However, offensively, I will say that Jalen Duran, over the last 10 or so games since he returned from injury, there's been, it's it's a tough balancing act with Jalen Duran in this situation right here I'm about to bring up. He is flashing some very legit on-ball skills right now. And I'm not talking about just his passing. I'm not talking about just his passing. I'm talking about his ability to drive to the basket. I'm talking about his ability to take a, a, a fake DHO and go all the way to the basket. I've seen him hit a few runners over the last 10 games. I've seen him, even though defenses know he can't shoot, he drives into them and takes a tough layup over the defense waiting for him at the rim, and it doesn't stop him. He's showcasing some incredible footwork, I'd say, around the basket. Um, He has this one uh, move that he likes to do a lot, where he basically does uh, a spin move with while keeping his pivot underneath the rim. He'll catch the ball, pump fake, rotate to the right uh, with his right pivot foot, pump fake again, then rotate all the way back around, three, uh, 180 it on the other side of the rim, and then end up with an easy dunk. Um, I hope I explained that well enough for you guys to understand. But it's just showcasing some incredible footwork under the rim um, and just showcasing some on-ball skills. Now, with that, if you guys remember on the last podcast, we talked about the fact that when you are losing like this, and it seems like that there is no structure to what's going on anymore, guys will start to pick up bad habits. And while Duran is flashing some of those things, and that's good to see, you're also starting to see some bad habits offensively with the ball in his hands. Now, I really would like to not become something that be- uh, becomes normal for him. And if you had a better situation, you probably would be in a better position to tell him, hey, cut that out. But right now you're seeing him take a lot of random dribble pull-up middies. Tonight you saw him take two fadeaway middies, one post-fade one. One of them was an air ball. The other one obviously was way off. So there needs to be, and this isn't me going at Jalen Duren. I think majority of what we've seen from Jalen Duren shows why people are so high on him moving forward. However, what I'm pointing out here is that there's po- there needs to be controlled controlled expansion of your game. There needs to be controlled development of your game. And the Pistons don't have a controlled environment. The Pistons have a random environment. The Pistons have a toxic environment right now where you're going to get some good, but along with some of the good, you're going to develop some bad habits and you're going to develop some things along the way that can't be corrected because the environment that you're in is so toxic. And it's not just with Duran. Just Duran is the first one that came to my mind. It's just you're seeing this with so many different players like Jane Ivey. Jane Ivey is a player last season under Dwayne Casey. We saw him look much better as the season went on with the ball in his hands. We saw him play as a point guard a lot better as the season went on, especially towards the end of the year. We saw him look much more comfortable 
with the ball in his hands, playmaking for others as the season went on. And now, at this point in the season with the Pistons this year, you're seeing him make a lot of unnecessary passes. You're seeing him make a lot of unnecessary decision-making. Does that mean he's been terrible? No, he still flashes the occasional skip corner pass. He still flashes the ability to get someone an open bucket. But again, just like why I point out with Duran, you're getting these positives, but it's not in a controlled environment and in a controlled development and in a controlled expansion of your game. What's happening is you're just letting them do whatever, basically. And it, what ends up happening is they end up bringing those bad habits along with some of the good things they're adding. You don't want Jane Ivey continuing to develop the, the, the habit of throwing unnecessary Matthew Stafford bullet passes. Sorry, I know the, the Lions are playing him this weekend, but that's the first name that came to my mind. Matthew Stafford no-look bullet passes to defenders that are, or his teammates that are two inches away from him. You don't need him to be continuing to do that. It's something he did at the beginning of last season, but then toned it down as the season went on last year and became much more controlled. Again, and that it's not just that example with Ivy. It's not just that example with Duran. You can go through every single player on this team, and you're seeing this happen. And what I want to end this segment off with is this. J.J. Redick and Tim Legler recorded a podcast episode, and it was talking about the Detroit Pistons and other bad teams, but mostly the Detroit Pistons. And they were talking about their experiences being on a bad team. Now, Legs was on a team that I believe was 2-33. and 33? I believe was that that was the record they were at. And J.J. was on a bad Magic team for like half a year. And then also a Pelicans team that uh, he, he talked about um, as well at the end of his career. But overall, they talked about – J.J. talked about how, how much of a struggle the locker room was after a 10-game losing streak. He talked about how after a 10-game losing streak, guys started to play for themselves that there was no longer an offensive system. Everyone was just playing for themselves, realized, hey, this is a bad team. We're not doing anything this year. Now I got to care about me. You listen to Legs talk about a team that was as bad as his was. They won 13 games that year. He talked about how toxic the environment was, how guys just stopped caring. Guys stopped showing energy. Guys only cared about their own numbers. Guys didn't care about the offensive system. They didn't care about playing team basketball. They didn't play about care about playing winning basketball anymore. That, that is what happens when you're, when you're on a team like that because your natural human instinct is to go to, I got to survive. I got to showcase minds. And if I don't do that, my own career is impacted moving forward. And that is 100% what's happening with the Pistons. Not only what we're seeing on TV, what we're seeing at these games, but what I'm hearing behind the scenes as well. This team is losing itself. This team is losing care for the, t- for the season. This team is only caring for themselves. As you can see by the fact that the first four games of the season, you saw a 0.5 second offense, and now you don't see that at all. You see guys only looking for themselves. I've seen Isaiah Livers dribble the ball more this year than I've ever seen at his M- in his NBA career combined. Like I said, you're seeing Jalen Duran take random pull-up middies, post fadeaways. You're seeing Jaden Ivey start to develop some of those bad habits again. From early last season, you're seeing Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich think they have to do everything, and they're taking tough shots nonstop. The situation is incredibly toxic, and a Spurs team who has six wins, much like the Sacramento Kings did, a team that's 20-plus wins better than both of those teams, the Spurs also put all the Pistons' flaws on display and embarrassed them. And in just 21 minutes, Victor Webanyan was able to get his triple-double his first triple-double of his career. This is a toxic situation. This is a horrible situation. It's impacting everyone, and doing nothing is continuing to hurt 
the young guys and everyone on this team more than even the losing maybe at this point. But I'll tell you guys this right now. This is 100% a toxic team, a toxic environment, and it's only going to continue to get worse. It's only going to continue to get worse. When we come back, I want to talk about how the leaders have failed the Detroit Pistons, the city of Detroit, and their young players. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. I absolutely love Price Picks. One of my favorite things with Price Picks is that it has any sport on there that you can imagine. We're talking about the NBA, NFL, basketball, uh, uh, college basketball, I should say, college football, college hockey, uh, NHL, MLB. They even have eSports on Price Picks. I absolutely love it. And you can do cross-sports entries. It makes it so much more fun and brings up so many more options to play with. Also, another great thing with Price Picks, which is probably by far the best thing about Price Picks, is the fact they offer a reboot policy so your entries stay in place even if one of your players gets injured. Let's say you have a football or basketball player in one of your entries. If you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's LockedOnNBA or, or promo code, I should say. I'm sorry. LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 with Price Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy with price picks. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Each day that goes by, each day that goes by, the darkness takes over me more and more and more. And another thing that has now frustrated the hell out of me after this game, another thing that I'm ready to actually not even rant at this point about, but just talk about, is how the Detroit Pistons leaders have failed the city of Detroit, the franchise, and its players. And we've talked about enough how Troy Weaver has failed this team. Troy Weaver should be fired. Quote me. Clip the video. Troy Weaver should be fired. There's not a singular reason why he should have his job. Every day that Troy Weaver does not get fired is another day of embarrassment. Troy Weaver is a GM of a team that is 3-36 they are going to go on two of the longest losing streaks in NBA history within one NBA season. One NBA season. They should they should still be on a 30-plus game losing streak. There's a toxic environment that he has created, that he is a part of, that he is contributing to. And each day that he remains as the general manager of the Detroit Pistons is another day further into the darkness. But we've talked enough about Troy Weaver. Now I must direct my direct my ire to Monty Williams. 
And there's a quote he had after the game that I want to say to you guys here. Monty Williams said after the game that there was a lack of focus and discipline. And he said, quote, there's nobody to look at other than me for not having these guys ready. Let me tell you guys something. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. But the Detroit Pistons are 3-36. and 36, Or 3-35. and 35. The Detroit Pistons are 3-35. and 35. If Monty Williams is coming out after the 35th loss of the season, before even the halfway point of the season, and continuing to come out and say, there's nobody else to look at other than me for not having these guys ready. This is not the first time he's come out and said something along the lines of criticize me, or it was my fault, or I didn't, I didn't do this right. He is in the first year of a long, long contract. He is in the first year of a very expensive contract. And I've said this many times before. Monty Williams has been dealt the worst hand in NBA history. Or one of the worst hands I've seen. But he has also done probably the worst job that you could probably have done with that hand. Not saying he would have turned this team into anything else. Not asking him to make a gourmet meal out of a paper clip, a quarter, and a penny or something. Like I'm not asking him to do anything like that. But he is taking what is basically a, a paper clip and a, and, a, and, a, and a string and burnt the house down somehow with it. Like I, somehow he's taking he's taking that and burnt the burnt the house down. And if at this point you are still coming out and saying that you can't get these guys focused, that you guys you can't get these guys, uh, you can't hold uh, discipline them, you can't get them playing disciplined basketball. That goes back to what we talked about in the first segment. Troy Weaver has created an environment that there is no coming back from. There is no coming back from this environment that the Detroit Pistons are in. If this was year one of the rebuild, maybe. Because that's expected in tanking seasons. In year four of your rebuild, when everyone was expecting this to be the year you made some kind of improvement, and you went out and got this big-name coach and paid him the largest contract in NBA history at that time, the expectations around this team and for guys entering year three, year four of their careers was completely different. And for this to be happening at this time in year four, there is no coming back from this environment. And Monty has helped create it as well. So now I am saying, as of January 10th, 2024, then Monty Williams should also probably lose his job this year. The Detroit Pistons should probably eat the contract of Monty Williams and move on. And does that mean Monty Williams may never may not get a job again? No. Does that mean that I don't think Monty Williams will ever become a or be a good NBA coach? No. That's not what I'm saying. He's won. He was. I believe he won Coach of the Year a few years ago. Got him to the NBA Finals with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I'm sure another team would love to take him on at some point in his career. He's not old. He's not that old. But for this situation with the Detroit Pistons, all it took was a few months and the environment was created so toxic and so irredeemable by the front office and the coaching staff that you must clean house and move on from all of them. There, again, let me say it one more time. There is no coming back from this environment. The trust has been broken 
on multiple levels between multiple people. There, there is frustration at every level between multiple people. There is a level of toxicity at every level amongst multiple people. There's no coming back from this now. The only way to move forward as an organization, if you're the Detroit Pistons, is to clean house and start anew. There is, there is no trade. There's no signing that can create a better environment and change what has happened under this leadership. There is nothing that can do it. There is nothing. And I'm telling you, I know. Maybe you guys can trust me about these things that I'm saying to you. But I can tell you this as well. I know that other players outside the, the Detroit Pistons feel the exact same way. So no one's going to want to come here in free agency with it like this. No one's going to want to be traded here with it like this. People across the NBA feel the exact same way about this as what I'm painting for you guys right now. So if that's the case, and everyone looks at you like this, including within your own organization, within your own front office, within your own franchise, roster, coaching, if that's what's happening within, is also happening across the the entire league amongst your peers, it is over. And the worst thing about it is, The people who are hurt the most, which leads us back to the topic of this conversation, the leaders have failed Detroit because the people who are affected the most by this, by this toxic environment that has been created by the front office, that has been created by the coaching staff, that has been created by ownership, is the city of Detroit, is the city's fan base, and the young players that have promising futures and are having the beginning of their careers wasted ruined and surrounded with nothing but toxicity. Those are the ones who are going to hurt their most. Not the one who has a guaranteed contract for the most money we've seen from a coach at the time, no matter what happens to him. Same thing with the front office. Not those guys. Not the guy who's going to have percentage ownership in this team, no matter what happens to him. Not the guy who, even if he were to crazy sell the team to make millions of dollars off the team, no, none of those guys are going to be impacted. You think any of them care? No, they've shown that they don't care. They, they're not going to be impact, impacted by this at all. If they cared about their name, they would have done something months ago, weeks ago. They don't care. But the ones who do care are the ones that are going to be impacted the most and are being treated the worst by this. And again, that's the city of Detroit, its fan base, and the young players trying to make a name for themselves and develop. It's a damn shame what the leaders of the Detroit Pistons have done to everyone involved. It's a damn shame and it's a damn embarrassment. When we come back, Monty, let's play your new young guys while you guys can, while you can, while the front office is around, while you're around. Let's play the new young guys. It's time to make them the priority. Before we get into any of that, though, I got to tell you about one of our sponsors, Jace Medico. I know that we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And that is scary. I can tell you, I was sick. I've had my wife sick. 
My family has been sick. We've seen players across the NBA be sitting out for sickness all across the league. We hear everyone. I see a multiple of you guys, the listener, telling me how sick you guys have been. This is a crazy bad flu season. And it again, it is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my kids or if I had kids, I should say, a significant other, a family member, got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get 20% or $20, I should say, off your order. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Let me, let me, let's start a trend. Let's start a trend, everyone. I've already had some of you guys do it, by the way. But I want everyone to join us. I've had a few listeners send me pictures of them with a hood up. Covering their face, absorbing the darkness, and joining the dark side. So what I want, I want to see from all my listeners, I want to see from all the Detroit Pistons, really the Detroit Pistons fan base, stop looking for the light that's non-existent within this darkness. There is no light within this organization right now. There is no light to the future. There is no light to what this situation is. It's pure darkness, and as soon as everyone accepts it and just absorbs it, the better. So let's start it. I, I just want to see from you guys. Go ahead and go get your guys a little, you know, Darth Sidious, uh, you know, uniform. Maybe get yourself a Darth Vader uniform. Just get yourself a little hoodie and join the trend. You feel me? Because this is me for the rest of the year. This is me for the rest of the season. This is me for the rest of the time being until one of these guys are removed from their position. This is this is this is me. Call me Darth Koo. This is who I am. Anyways, Monty Williams. Let's play your new young guys. It's time for everyone else to be removed as any kind of priority. And yes, for those of you out there who think I'm blind and refuse to say this out loud, even though I've said it multiple times, that includes the player I was a a fan of and believed in, Killian Hayes. It's time to sit Killian Hayes. He should not be starting anymore. It's time to sit Isaiah Livers. He should not be starting. It's time to stop. Actually, I was going to say it's time to stop playing James Wiseman, but they don't have any other guy at the big man position because, you know, they didn't want to get a big. Um, But it's time to prioritize the playtime of Marcus Sasser and the guy that we have been talking about for, it feels like, weeks now after what was a start to a season that looked so insanely promising with how they were utilizing him and how he was affecting the game in every single area but shooting Asar Thompson. It is time to prioritize those guys. 
These other guys are not part of the future. These other guys, they had their chance. They had four years. They had three years. And this doesn't mean that they can't have NBA careers, okay? Maybe they go on and develop somewhere else. But for as, when it comes to the Detroit Pistons, they have done, done enough to deserve the development prioritized or pri, uh, to be prioritized over, at this point, a rookie and a star Thompson who has one of the highest ceilings, I would say the second highest ceiling on this basketball team, and Marcus Sasser. And you guys remember, even on the last episode, I said, I don't know if I'm going to be a fan of Marcus Sasser on this team moving uh, long-term. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy watching him play, but that doesn't change the fact that he should have higher priority now and a chance to prove me wrong and a chance to make a fan out of me more than the other guys that I mentioned on this team. Asar Thompson was your fifth overall pick. He was playing outstanding basketball for a rookie the first 14 games of this season. And for some reason, they decided to go against it. They decided to sit him. And I, let me not say for, for some reason. I understand it to a certain degree. They wanted, to imp, in, they wanted to put in more spacing around Cade. I understand. However, the problem with the starting lineup that they were trying to do, which it had some perks. Again, I, I said this in the last episode. The perks of that starting lineup is that Duran had multiple defenders in front of him, which allowed developing on that side and reading defense or the offense from the defensive end a lot easier for him, and he was developing on that end. He was looking better on that end. That was just one of the that, that was one of the perks, probably one of the only perks. Um, but the problem with that starting lineup wasn't just the fact that you were playing a SAR. It was the fact that you were starting Cade with Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, a SAR, and Jalen Durant at the same time. It wasn't the fact that you were just starting a SAR. It was the fact that you were starting him along with three other non-shooters. Three other guys that defenses are not going to respect. With Cade, Jane Ivy, and Boyan, you should 100% be able to play Asar and Duran together. It is not hard. It's not hard. Asar should not have went from playing 30-plus minutes a game. There is no way, no way, that Asar Thompson should have went from playing 31 minutes a game in the first 14 games of the season, averaging 11.6 points a game, 10.3 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1.7 blocks, 1.2 steals, 44% from the field. Like, do you guys hear how those numbers that he was putting up in the first 14 games of his career? He was stuffing the box, the box score. He was looking like one of the best defenders in the NBA through the first 14 games of his career. He's a 20-year-old rookie, and he was looking like one of the best defenders already. In the NBA. For him to go from that. Through the first 14 games. To now only playing 19 games. Or 19 minutes a game. Is is ludicrous. It's wild. If you want to make it even worse. Over the last 18. Or over the last 8 games I should say. He's only averaging 13 minutes. And am I saying that Asar. has, Has been perfect. No. He's not great right now. He has to develop. But why is that all of a sudden a bad thing? He was develop. It looked like he was developing pretty nicely at the beginning of the year. And every rookie's going to hit a rookie wall. So maybe he hit some. Maybe he has hit some kind of rookie wall. 
on a team that's three and 35, that should not matter. Your fifth overall pick should take priority over losing a game by 20 instead of 30 to the San Antonio Spurs that have six wins. Like, come on. These guys matter more now. They matter more to the future. And it's time to give them that priority over other guys that have had their chance, had their time, and didn't do enough with it to maintain that priority. It's time. Play your new young guys. Play your young guys that matter right now. And that's Cade, Ivy, Durant, and Asar. Those are the four main guys. And the other ones that should get minutes that matter at this point, for sure, is Isaiah Stewart and Marcus Sasser moving forward. Fit around that. But those ones should be prioritized from here on out. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Until next time, I really wanted to, I couldn't find, I'm going to figure out how to get the soundboard on here. Trust me. I really wanted to end the episode with, come join the dark side. Like, like, like talk like Darth Vader or something, but I, I, you know, don't have it, but it's coming. I promise. I promise. I'm going to figure it out. But until next time, you don't know the power of the dark side. Join me. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.